So, um, so you've caused a schism, basically. Have I? Yes, I know. In the, in the tradition of many great church leaders, because <laughs> <laughs> because you say it's the hokey cokey. Right. And yet you put on a version that's clearly hokey pokey. Yes. We've heard from Australia this week that it's hokey pokey. And uh, we've heard from America it's hokey pokey. Um, so, you know, what's the truth here? Well, actually, the truth is uh, it's neither of those. Because yeah. according to historical research... You know, there's a very similar dance and lyric, um, sort of going back into the into the nineteenth century, um, and I point you to Robert Chambers' Popular Rhymes of Scotland from 1842, in which you find this lyric: Falderal la, falderal la, hink and booby round about, right hands in and left hands out, hink and booby round about. <laughs> so it's neither the hokey cokey, or the hokey pokey. It is, in fact, the hink and booby. <laughs> Don't even say it. No, because I think if you put your hink and booby in and out and shake it all about, it would make the party go fantastically, it would, wouldn't it? It would make the church meeting go with a swing, wouldn't it? <laughs> swing is the very word. Welcome everybody to episode 220. Why a question? Why a question? Well, you don't want to be certain about life, do you? I mean, it's you know, there's lots of uncertainties. It's a very Australian of you. Welcome to episode 220. Of the Mid-Faith <laughs> Crisis podcast. Uh, my name is Nick Page. <laughs> there is Joe Davis. Hello. Hello to you. It's great to be here. Hmm. I haven't started this in a very high-energy way, have I? Let's be honest. No, no. <laughs> What's new there? Doesn't matter because it's all about to go high-energy. Is it? Yeah, there's a massive announcement go to on. make. And it's this. We know that some of you, sadly, because you're so backslidden, won't be attending a Christmas service this year. Which is why I'm delighted to announce the Mid-Faith Crisis Christmas service, No Lessons and Carols, <laughs> on Tuesday, <laughs> on Tuesday the twentieth of December, put the date in your diaries in the evening. What is it? About an hour? Would you say eight to nine? I, well, I mean, you know, nine lessons and carols normally takes what an hour and a bit, hour and a, yeah. No lessons and carols, which is our version. <laughs> um, yeah. Twenty minutes. I mean, no, we'll do about <laughs> yeah. an hour. I think. Yes. So it's going to be a live event, and um, bring your own mulled wine and mince pies. Uh, we'll be online on Tuesday the twentieth to wish you all a happy Christmas. And uh, if you'd like to be there, we'll uh, get details ready for next week. I think. I think we're probably going to do it in a similar vein um, as uh, as we did for the staying defiantly. So we'll do it through Eventbrite, and people that want to make a donation can make a donation. I hope and trust that people that don't want to make one uh, don't need to. Um, so that's Do I good. need I to make a donation? 
for attending? Uh, no, well, uh, you know, probably not. If you could okay. just be there, that would be nice. But on that note of donations and things, uh, I, we're recording this Wednesday. The Chancellor's statement is tomorrow. So by Saturday, I'm assuming everyone's feeling very miserable. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to say something, firstly, to those who've stopped giving. Uh, to us because some people gave us you know a little bit every month and they've had to stop and just want to say massive thank you to anyone who's given anything no matter how large or small it's been so uh, wonderful of you thank you and to those that continue to give um again thank you goodness me it's uh, been you know so wonderful for nick and i we never thought we'd get anything did we from this and that wasn't why we did it um but it's lovely to get a little bit in, which really is helping us and our families. So thank you. Thank you. Yes. So, uh, yes, the so 20th of December, the Mid-Faith Crisis Christmas service. Mm. Um, <laughs> can't say any more than that because we haven't really no. thought about it any more than that, really. <laughs> no, we haven't. But we've put the date in the diary. And that's the thing. But we've put the date in the diary and we've given it a title. And that's that's the kind of planning that we excel at. <laughs> It's right. Stick to what you're good at, really. But I know. We're, yeah. we're very good at announcing things. That's, I think, one well, of our strengths. It is a strength, yeah. Mm. And listen, tickets are going to be very limited for this, aren't they? Are they? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> OK. Yeah. It makes you're... it sound more exclusive. Yeah, no, no, that's right. Create scarcity, create demand. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. We might even have to put some extra dates in, like uh, like Peter Kay or somebody like that, you know. <laughs> We won't have to put any extra dates in. This is all we can do to put one date in. Anyway. Are we ready to announce special guests at our Christmas service? I mean, we're, I assume... No, we're not ready to announce special guests oh, because no. literally... <laughs> this is this is what happens, ladies and gentlemen. Literally, in the discussion, just before going on air with this podcast, you said, shall we get invited to special guests? And... You haven't invited anybody. We don't know if anybody can make it. We can't just suddenly announce well, we're going to have special guests. Well... I'm just going to say now, Adele and Robbie Williams are <laughs> going to be doing some songs there. Yeah. <laughs> Might get Ed Sheeran along. Yeah. I mean, they're I mean, all going to be Somewhere they'll be doing songs, won't they? <laughs> yeah. We can certainly invite them. Uh, anyway, uh, enough of that. How are you doing, my good friend? Yeah. Well, you know, okay. I had great fun with the home group last week it was claire and paul thanks for inviting me along that was fun and their lovely group made a donation to the podcast isn't that lovely mm. um yeah i mean i'm still concerned for family me- members really but feeling a bit more settled i think in myself helped by not being stupidly busy mm. um as we have been for the past couple of weeks so yeah that's okay and um still getting some positive feedback for staying defiantly that was a good thing i think we're probably going to run another one next year sounds like people want us to talk about salvation and hell and stuff like that so okay be something nice to get your teeth stuck into all good fun yeah no good thank you and what's really exciting is that i plan to go to pagham harbour and see all the returning brent geese uh this coming weekend so that's a lovely thing super yeah thank you how are you uh oh yeah all right thank you yes you know lots going on um uh lots of lots of stuff happening uh i did the cricket oh the cricket now i'm not a massive fan of 2020 cricket because i think it's a bit like you know burger 
Yes, know, it's just it is. fast food. You just consume it and then you feel hungry and you want another one. Um, <laughs> A great analogy. But where, where you know, you, you take what England wins you can, really, if you're, if you're an England um, team supporter of any sport. And, uh, yeah, it was great. I did find it quite tense. I don't know if you watched it. So so for those of you who are not interested in the, in the, Lord's, the Lord's game, uh, England <laughs> won the 2020 World Championship. And... and at one point, I had to stop watching, and Claire said, "Why aren't you? Why aren't you watching?" I said, "Well, it's too tense. It could, yeah. go, it could go either way." Yeah. And she said to me, "Well, isn't that the point of sport?" <laughs> she may have a point. <laughs> well, I don't know. If she, does, you know, I think I, there are some people who say who say this, aren't they? They like sort of close matches, and they say, you know, that's what you know. You don't want one-sided contests. I, I frankly always want a one-sided contest. <laughs> yes, yeah, as long as it's England. I want, I want to sit back and watch the team I support, whatever team it is, just win easily, you know, without any stress. But yeah. um, no, it was good. It was good. I, I enjoyed that. That was that was good to watch. And then uh, we've had a Bake Off final as well. We have. That was truly underwhelming, wasn't it? Did you not think? You weren't a big fan of it. I just think compared to other years it was about awarding the prize to the least bad baker rather than someone who was performing miracles as they have done in other years i think they've made it a bit too sort of tricky this year i think that's been the problem you know this is what television does it wants to again we're back to tension and drama it wants to ramp up the stakes the whole time so yeah so you give them ever increasingly complex tasks and less time to do them in Yes, exactly. And I think really people want to see marvelous stuff and people being nice to one another. That's what you want out of Bake Off. Yeah, want, it is. You want people being nice with the occasional sort of Paul Hollywood kind of critique, but you, it's it's supposed to be about niceness and great cakes. Yes, exactly. So I think this year it lost its way a little bit. Well, let's give that feedback to them. Okay, all right. Well, we can invite Paul Hollywood to the Christmas service. He can come to the Christmas. Why doesn't he bake the Christmas cake? I mean, that's that's a no-brainer, isn't it? Come on. Do you know? I'm really looking forward to the guest list. It's certainly more impressive than it was about ten minutes before the beginning of the podcast. (laughs) When you said let's invite some guests, I didn't realise the calibre of the people (laughs) you were thinking of. Listen. I've never been a big fan of. Do you watch I'm a Celebrity? I don't watch that. No, I don't watch it at all. No, no, no I don't, just don't really do... Celebrity doesn't mean anything. I would much rather, in all honesty, listen to uh, or meet a, a listener than, you know, Matt Hancock. That's set the bar low, hasn't it? Sorry, let me think of someone else. Well, Adele. There you go. I mean, I like Adele and I like her music, but does she listen to the podcast? No. Do I want to meet her? Not really. Oh, OK. I mean, you know, if she, if she said, look, can we can we have a quick curry? Don't get me wrong. I'd, I'd say, yeah, of course we can. Well, lovely. you'd say that yeah. for anyone, though, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, say, yeah. If anyone said, could we have a quick curry? You'd be there like a shot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I don't know. It's always funny meeting famous people or people you admire. I've It's happened yeah. to me a few times. And it's quite a weird experience, really, because you don't really know how to how to react. You don't you don't really know what to talk about. And, you know, and, and it's it's all vaguely unreal. It is odd. Do you know, I've just finished reading um, Bob Mortimer's biography mm. and it's lovely. It's, re- it's really worth a, a read. It's called And Away. And uh, he talks about that very thing. He says he's the kind of person who just wants to go down the pub, have a pint or maybe two, 
with a friend and mate. He says it's so difficult now because you go down and everyone wants selfies with you and everyone's mm. and you don't want to seem ungrateful, but that really isn't what you want from going for a quiet drink anywhere. And there is a there is a certain price to pay. And he's just a quiet introvert person. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't seek out fame. He never particularly craved it. It's mm. very interesting. Yeah, good read that. I always admire people who are who are genuinely unimpressed by celebrity. I think. Yeah. I mean, the the founder of Open Doors, brother Andrew, was one of these guys mm. who who wherever we met in the world, I think he just treated everybody the same. Yeah. And and he's recorded this. I read an interview with him once where he said, you know, he said, I'm not really, I, I'm not really very impressed by 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 people sometimes. <laughs> you know, he, he takes no notice <laughs> yeah. of them. And yeah. I, I I'd like to be like that. I think. But I I guess if I met somebody I really admired or or you know somebody famous I'd I'd go all fanboy I don't know really yeah but what do you think what do you think of the I'm a celebrity thing because I think it's uncomfortable like sort of the stocks at the moment putting somebody in the stocks and pelting them with rubbish you know Matt Hancock on it is it seems un, uncomfortable like sort of a public sort of penance yeah. I don't humiliation. Know. I... I haven't really watched it. I mean, I really like Ant and Dec. I think they're just phenomenal presenters um, and worthy of every award they've got. But I just don't... I've never really fancied the concept of it. Plus, also, if it was on once a week, maybe I would watch it. But isn't it on every night for an hour or so? I mean, that's a well, that's a big commitment. Probably, yeah. And yeah. probably past my bedtime, to be fair, at this stage of the game. So... <laughs> um. Let's move on, shall we? Yes, let's. Let's get to what you could call content. Uh, some feedback. Well, listen, just a, just a few things I wanted to say before we get into the feedback. One, thanks to beloved listener Andrew for uh, sending in a, a really interesting article by Sam Wells, which I put on our Facebook page regarding conversion. Uh, that was very interesting. Thank you for that. Uh, that was good. Christine uh, of Christian Hair Fame. Uh, also sent me an article by N.T. Wright about heaven and the afterlife in response to my doubting about, you know, not being sure about going to heaven when you die and all those sort of things. So it was good to uh, to read N.T. Wright's take on all that sort of thing. Mim sent a song called Jesus, I Have My Doubts by John Foreman. Have you come across John Foreman? I hadn't. But... No, no. Yeah, it's quite good. And then Martin... Beloved Martin sent me in the trailer to John Wick 4, which I have to say looks like like another beautiful moving film. I've Uh. seen the trailer, yes, and it's it's, it's very touching. It was quite moving, wasn't it? Yeah, no, it's a a sensitive piece, I think. (laughs) It is, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so moving on. Glenn, Glenn sent this in. Oh, he sent this in today. He said, thank you for episode 218 on the mid-faith permacrisis. He said, I just wanted to agree with you 100% on the UK politics front. It's been so hideously bad over the last three years and getting worse that it drives me to despair. And I quietly wonder why some friends at church just cannot see the depths to which it has sunk. He said, my local MP has even asked me to stop <laughs> writing to him. I love this because all I do is complain about the lack of integrity, compassion and good sense that his party is wallowing in. He doesn't even respond with his own views. I want to scream. So he says, so I completely understand the desire to maintain a Christ-like response. But when these... <laughs> he says, sorry. Uh, well, <laughs> he says, are openly and in full view of everyone abusing their position of trust and responsibility. I just fail again and again and again. I'm with you, Joe. And that's from Glenn. Well, thanks, Glenn. I don't know whether it made me feel better... But uh, it's nice to know you're not alone sometimes. 
because it is hard to maintain that kind of uh, non-reactive presence in the face of some stuff that happens, I think. So thank you, Glyn. I appreciate you writing in. Yeah. So I think that is the question, is the desire to maintain a Christ-like response. Yeah. That's what we're trying to get get at here, is what is the Christ-like response here? You know, um, I... I was into, I had lunch today with a friend of mine who's, uh, um, you know, conservative member of the Conservative Party, in fact. And you know what is amazing is how much we're in common we've got. Yeah. When you start talking about policy, talk about things you do, and you make assumptions about people, so you put forward, you know, what you think would be a fairly radical left-wing kind of idea, and find that he's all for it. People mm. are much more nuanced and complex than that. So I think, you know, carrying on that conversation, and and not sort of blanking people out is is really part of a Christ-like response, I suppose. Some some of the times it can be done and should be done. But let's not forget that one Christ-like response is to call everyone thieves and then go and turn all their tables over in a very sort of dramatic, prophetic way. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's, there's certainly a um, precedent for that kind of uh, dramatic, <laughs> yeah. prophetic... <laughs> behavior yeah. you might say yeah. you know throwing a variety of liquids over paintings is that yes. kind of behavior yeah. personally i'm struggling a little bit with that i can't really see yeah. what dead painters have done to, yeah. to upset the environmentalists sure. I, I, yeah. I, you know you know they had many faults perhaps van gogh but i don't think sort of climate <laughs> yeah. crisis could be laid at his door oh really. is that right is that what's happening i must have missed that news item well, there's a, no, there's a few things, haven't there? People have thrown um, soup over paintings and then somebody's oh, thrown yeah. ink over a Monet or something. You know, there's all kinds of stuff. They seem to just be throwing liquids over artwork at the moment. Oh, OK. That's the um, thing. And I understand the the shock tactics and I understand the depth of feeling and I, I, I'm sort of struggling to see the connection here, really. But, you know, maybe that's just me. OK, well, there we go. Thanks, Glenn. Uh, Mick says, hi, Joe. He says, on a personal level, I'm really sorry uh, that your resting state is sadness, but it's probably not surprising in the circumstances. He says, I wanted to be able to shed some light, uh, but could think of no wise words. He said, but there is good news. Advent is coming, and Advent means Brian Draper's daily emails. Now, we don't often advertise other people's stuff, but Brian Draper is a friend of the podcast, and uh, so I don't mind doing it. And... Uh, <laughs> and Mick goes on, he says, it seems to me he's an expert on helping us lean into the darkness. I would agree with that. He says, secondly, I was very struck by the message from Gary last week. Uh, yeah. He says, the immediate thought I had when listening to Gary's story was Job. And it seems Gary has mm. somehow been able to respond as Job did. I found that so encouraging to hear. Huge thanks to Gary for sharing. I was also impressed with how you and Nick responded. If Gary was Job-like, it seemed to me that you and Nick responded more in line with the Almighty than Job's comforters. Well, phew. Uh, thank you for that. He says, thirdly, I want to comment on your discussion of your anger last week about comments in respect of immigration. You said that you felt that your rant had not done any good. I have to tell you that it did me good to hear it. My experience of being an immigrant must be one of the easiest, but I have to tell you that being an immigrant, while it can be exciting, is very difficult. So when you were angry on behalf of immigrants or potential immigrants, it made me smile. It felt as though you were expressing love and solidarity with your neighbour. When Jesus clashed with the powers that be, he did this because of his love for neighbour, the poor, the powerless and the oppressed. 
I thought you were actually being Christ-like in expressing your support for your struggling neighbours. And he says, keep up the great work. Both of you. That's interesting. Well, I'd, a couple of things I'd like to pick up on out of that. Firstly, yeah. uh, yes, Job-like, I think that's true. And um, I think at the end of Job, really, if we are like the Almighty, doesn't he, he just sort of comes in in a whirlwind and doesn't answer any of the questions. <laughs> I think that's basically it, yeah. So I can see how people might think that we are playing that role, really. <laughs> Do you know, I hadn't thought of that, but you're yeah. right. <laughs> A lot of wind and no answers, really. That is pretty much the subtitle of the podcast. Um, and I, my reflection on this and on, on the whole anger thing is, is gosh, it's quite, it, it's quite complicated being Christ-like, isn't it? Mm. it it's, 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 yes, it's, it is. It, picking up as well on the previous email, you know, it's quite, it's quite, it's not as simple as saying just go and do what Jesus did. Um, yeah because it's got to be contextualized and and you've got to see beyond almost the actions and and say what's the principle behind here um you know if you were talking for example about mm. driving out the money lenders what's the thing there mm. is the thing sometimes that's used as a justification for sort of some Being kind angry. of violent yeah, yeah exactly angry. yeah but but actually what the principle is people making a lot of money out of pilgrims that's fundamentally what's yeah. happening there People yeah. are fleecing. The system is fleecing genuine worshippers. Yeah. And yeah. Jesus always really disliked that. Um, yes. And so it's not just about the action itself, but it's what's causing the action. So I think with the whole anger thing, it's, it's caused some really interesting discussions, hasn't it? Because it is, mm. it, it, it's, a, it's, it's quite tricky. Just being Christ-like is not just a case of, you know, growing a beard and putting on some sandals. It's so, no, <laughs> if only. If only, because I'd be halfway there. <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, it's 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 complicated. It is complicated, but it's always good to go back and read the Gospels and and really get at what Jesus is sort of when he is angry, what he's angry about. Mm. And as we've said many times, he seems to be critiquing religion. Anyone who makes it difficult for the poor, the oppressed, the outsider mm. to 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 be able to worship or feel included within the love of God. He seems to have his angriest words. Seems yes, to yes. Anyone yeah. who weaponizes faith, really. Yeah. He, he doesn't really like that. No, exactly. And we know many lovely people doing that very thing today, don't we? So moving swiftly oh, on. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, no, we're not going to have an interesting conversation about that now uh, because we're going to have an interesting conversation about Mark's email. He says this, hi, Joe, and the other one. Strong start, as far as I'm concerned. Wait, wait concerned. a minute. <laughs> no, that's that's good. He's he's piqued my interest. He says, I'm a, <laughs> a week behind, so I've only just listened to the above episode, where amongst the prolific bongos, you were considering limits to empathy. He says, I thought I'd find a definition of the word, and it turned to the uh, Oxford English Dictionary, which defines empathy as the ability to imagine and understand the thoughts, perspective, and emotions of another person. With that in mind, he said, I'd like to offer these thoughts. I think it's important to be empathetic towards those whose views differ, even diametrically from our own. This does not mean we have to agree with them, but understanding where they are coming from and therefore what is shaping their response might help us to engage with them and to muster arguments that could change them. 
I fear that a lack of empathy on both sides is becoming ever more prevalent in our politics. This process was clearly accelerated by the Brexit referendum process, with both sides being unwilling or unable to understand or respect the other's point of view. For many, this is still the case six years later. From a distance, the situation in the USA is similar, with the divide between Democratic and Republican views seemingly as wide as I can recall. The problem is not finding a limit for empathy, but in extending it. I like that. He says, if those speaking of invasions of migrants would try to imagine and understand the thoughts, perspective and emotions of those attempting to reach our shores and finding ways to respond to them rather than playing to a perceived xenophobic tendency in the country, we might end up, if not with a solution, at least with a more temperate discourse. He says, as for Cruella, he says, I think I've reached a full understanding of her thoughts and perspective. She obviously wants to make fur coats out of puppies. <laughs> <laughs> the last line might have undermined the earlier paragraph. No, well, no, but he said it very nicely and compassionately. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Thank you for that. I thought that was... Uh... Uh, a, a helpful point and, and interestingly in the staying defiantly thing uh, again people are wanting to know well look there's clearly such disagreement over so many things and how can we how can we disagree well you know how how can we learn to live one another mm. we've, we've got different views on things but how can we live and live well together and live christianly together christ-like together i thought that was really uh, a really helpful email yeah. i'd like to pick up on the phrase temperate discourse a more yeah. temperate discourse which is really what i was talking about I earlier like that yeah. yeah and the idea of temperance actually which is which is a, a you know one of the classic sort of christian virtues but you don't hear talked about much at all now um you know temperance being sort of a version of self-control really yeah um and I mean, insofar as you hear about it talked about at all, it was talked about in terms of alcohol, but it's not really what it's about. It's about no. it's about self-discipline and self-control, really, um, and and not sort of lo not losing your temper, not 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 excluding yeah. people, not getting over violent, not getting too passionate on one side or the other. So it's kind of looked down upon because, you know, we tend to we tend to overvalue passion sometimes. I yeah. Think. It's like whenever you go for a job, whenever you talk about a job, I think people will say, well, why are you passionate about this? You know, mm. you have to say why you're passionate about a job. I spoke to a guy mm. once who, who uh, had come out of employment and was now a consultant, you know, a con um, working, uh, what's the word? He was now a contractor for, for okay. various things in IT. And I said, what's the best thing about it? And he said, oh, the best thing about it is I don't have to pretend to be passionate about the job anymore. I just have to go in and do it. And they're not expecting you to be passionate about it. That's great. But everybody, all the advertising is about, we're passionate about this. We are passionate about our product. Oh, yeah. Instead of going, well, it's quite a good product. and We're quite pleased with it. It could be better. It could be worse. But, you know, we think it does the job. You know, I think there's a, there's, there's a refreshing joy at the moment in temperance and moderation, I think, because it's, yeah, it's so different. That's great. But it's, marketing's driven it that way. Everyone has to be passionate about everything, and our, the product has to be passionate. Everything has to be. Um, but it, it, in theological terms, you know, you could say, well, maybe there's some things that we've been too passionate about that actually we just got <laughs> too upset about. We should have just calmed down a bit and said, well, could be one thing, could be another. It's okay. <laughs> I like your thinking. That would be great, wouldn't it? The sort of theological temperance college where you just go and go, well, you know, don't get steamed up about this. 
Well, the funny thing is, a lot uh, you must have experienced this. There's a lot in, in theology colleges where academic circles, people don't really get steamed up about some uh, quite a lot of stuff. They have these discussions and they can they can disagree, but outside of it, you know, if everything in theology is a matter of life and death, then people get over passionate about stuff. It's true. I remember. I remember when Steve Chalk brought out his book. Um, I was at the lost message of Jesus. He started questioning penal substitution Mm. and, um, and it was like, no one had ever questioned this before. It was, it was like the outcry and, you know, people stopped supporting Oasis and everything. And people started saying he's not a Christian anymore. Mm. Blah, 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 blah. And he just thought, mate, we, we had that conversation at, at college. And that was like, you know, most people agreed with Steve on that. That it's yes. this this doctrine that came out a couple of hundred years ago is way too excessive and inappropriate. <laughs> but it was like he was the first person who'd ever mentioned it. It's it's a strange thing, isn't it? Well, you know that thing I was saying a, a while back about you know questioning. There's no such thing as the the Great Commission. Mm. Um, I, I was talking to somebody about it not 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 long ago, and I was sort of saying this, and they were really yeah. upset with me. Were they? You know, yeah. <laughs> and and but it's kind of weird because it is a subheading that's been put in yes. by people into the Bible. It was not there, and so <laughs> yeah. just on a mere factual level, it's it's true. Yeah, exactly. Next, you'll be saying there was no index. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord's Prayer, by the way, that's a subtitle. <laughs> Sermon on the Mount. You know, it, it, but it becomes this thing that people are. The drive people becomes actually really important yeah. to them, and that makes it almost impossible to have a, a conversation about because you know it, it's question it's about their identity as much as sure. anything else, really. But I think it, it maybe it comes right back to the, our old friend, the theology of I don't know, you know, well, where you you just go well, you know, could be one thing, could be another. Well, speaking of the theology of I don't know, and. Mm. Um, I wanted to talk to you a bit about Christmas and uh, and and some of the things you said last week, actually, because we're, you know, we're going through reading the sort of Bible narratives, the classic sort of Christmas readings in preparation for Advent and and this. And it's, it's been quite, quite heavy going, you know, because you, you're reading the stories of Elizabeth and Mary. And mm. I must admit, there's a part of me going, you know, this jars a bit somehow and I'm not quite sure. Why? Um, so stay with me as as <laughs> as we go here. I've been thinking about your response to Gary last week, uh, uh, and 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 the fact that the one thing that Jesus did assure us of is of divine presence. His presence with us. I'll never mm. leave you. The divine will never leave us. And that in turn sort of reminded me of something that Dallas Willard said about the devil, actually. Um, and I know we've mentioned this many, many years ago, but it's worth recounting. He said he, he was the first person I ever heard say the devil only has one trick in scripture. You know, we often ascribe way too much power to the devil, like he's everywhere doing mm. all kinds of. But actually, the devil only has one trick. And and the trick that the devil has is one power is to deceive. Mm. And that's it. Now, unfortunately, you say that's it like it's not a very impressive thing. Actually, if you can deceive people, it is a very big power mm. indeed. 
you know, if you can immobilise the church by having people tell lies, you know, making them feel like a Christians who began a church for, you know, tens of years and still feel like God doesn't love them. You know, I think mm. that's a pretty, pretty great skill for the, for the enemy to have. But, but, you know, just this idea of oversubscribing power to the devil, it made me wonder if this doesn't sound too heretical, whether we oversubscribe power to God in actual fact mm. and the God can't fix everything but God is always with us hence hence why I don't even like the name God now because God some for me conjures up this idea of a, a personable force that you know is almighty and power and you know like throwing thunderbolts launched creation and all that sort of thing and you know could cure people of cancer but holds back because you know whatever reasons my ways are not his ways and you know I can never understand him and but but what if god can't do all those things anyway what what god can do is be with us in everything i'm sure that's a uh, a very ancient heresy that you're about to tell me what it is. Uh, but it links into Christmas and links into the incarnation and my own sort of celebration of Christmas, um, which has become really important to me, is, is that mm. here's what Christmas is all about. We used to think God was outside of us. We used to think God is beyond. We used to think God is up there or on a galaxy far, far away, the old Star Wars theology. Um and we had to somehow summon God and plead with God to be with us and to fix our, you know, desperately sad lives and all the rest of it. Whereas actually the truth of Christmas is incarnation, that God is not distant, that God is close, mm. um, much closer than we could ever dare dream or believe. And he's with us. And so all the dreadful stuff that happens in our lives, you know, my mind immediately goes back to Gary last week and that very job-like story of what what he's you know season of his life at the moment and just thinking well the one thing we can say and you did say it and i thought very helpfully um is god is with you mm. and my thoughts are with you in this yeah so what do you make of that heresy well we'll come back on the heresy in a minute i don't know how <laughs> how you throw stones at somebody digitally but we'll find out um but i think i think uh emmanuel is you know we sing at christmas god with us um mm. and i think that is the heart of it so so i think there's a few things to sort of clarify here one one is that yes we oversubscribe power to the devil we should have a we should do a mm. show i think about what we think about the 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 devil as such because i think that's yeah. an interesting thing and people have different views but i think we oversubscribe power to him because in fact we, in a strange way i think a lot of christians make the devil a, a god they they mm. deify him in a way yeah. i don't mean they worship him i mean they think he's everywhere and you know give him all kinds of power the bible is quite clear there is you know the, the devil is not god's opposite the devil yeah. is 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 if a subservient creature yeah. A subject creature of some kind and yeah. therefore uh yeah definitely i think that happens in, in in the christian world that that we actually we we are we are monotheists but we're constantly trying to retreat into pantheism by creating another god to rival god yeah yeah 
Well, this is great. Do you know, by the way, I love that you know the Bible well. It's, it's so good having a conversation with you. <laughs> Thank well, you. I, I don't know. I'm just repeating what I've read elsewhere. I just take other people's ideas and repackage them. But look, no, I think so. I think that's the first thing is that is that, you know, to, to, to reflect on God and the devil is not to reflect on two equals because then they're, they're not that at all. Do we oversubscribe power to to God? Well, there's been a long kind of discussion about this, about uh, the theory of um, divine kenosis. You know that bit where mm, yeah. in, in Philippians yeah. where uh, Jesus, being the very equal of God, chose not to make himself that, but to emptied himself and became human. Yeah. And so the question is, well, of what has he emptied himself? And it's it's uh, frustratingly, it's not really clear <laughs> what, no. what what it was. <laughs> But there's that self-limiting behaviour going on that he could have done X, Y, and Z, or been a type, but he chose to be something different. He chose to operate in a different way. He chose to self-limit. And yes. I suppose the question you're asking is: Does God do the same? Um, and and it's sort of classically wrapped up with a lot of ideas about free will. I think you know because by the very nature of free will, God has to sort of self-limit to some extent. Yeah, because it might override our free will. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. so, so I think I think the, uh, the classic sort of formulation of it is that God could fix anything, but he doesn't mm. fix everything. He will fix everything at some point, or everything will be transformed, but he doesn't mm. at the moment. Now... What's causing that? I I actually do subscribe to the idea that God is self-limiting to some extent in order to allow free will mm. to work, in order to 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 raise humanity and to give us the dignity of self-determination and free will. He chooses to limit his his mm. power and his involvement. I don't know what I think about that. I mean, that could be the case, but how would we know if it wasn't the case? How would we know that well, God can't do everything? You know, does God so so for example, yeah, I'm just gonna say this out loud because there's no church to throw me out now. So huh. <laughs> well I could throw you out the podcast. But yeah, that's true. Oh yeah, that would be a shame. Um but how do we know that uh God um God is self limiting? How do we know God just doesn't have the power? You see, I, I remember this um I read this really amazing uh, essay once by a guy called William Platcher, who says that he and he was suggesting that actually God is not almighty. God is all loving. Yeah. And and therefore, because God is primarily love, not power. Love risks vulnerability. Love risks being hurt. So that was that whole notion of when when Moses went up the mountain, couldn't look at the face of God because no one can no one can look upon the glory of God's face and live. He was suggesting that no one could see that much pain and live because God loves us so much, but we have caused so much pain. No one, no human could look at that much pain and live. And, and, and I suppose that started me off on a whole journey of exploring the idea of to what extent is God really, or has God ever been almighty in that sense? Um, if God's primary attribute is love. I think, I mean, it's, you get into some very sort of deep waters. But if we take Christ as 
Whereas mm. um, the the he, if we take the idea mm. of having seen Christ, we've seen the Father. Then what yeah. what do you take from that? You take yeah. a a being who could have called down angels mm. to 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 support him, to strengthen him, to you know to yeah. remove the cross. Yeah, but didn't. Yeah. yeah, but chose instead to empty himself of that power, of that or that ability, and and die and forgive. Yeah. And to me, this goes back to actually at the heart of Christmas. For me, there really is something worth celebrating there. There's a message about the presence of God always with us. There's a message about how the true nature of God is love. I must admit, when the focus shifts from that into the Christmas narratives of the Gospels and the donkeys and the the Virgin Mary and the visits of the kings and everything, I think that has... it triggers so many associations with nativity and almost fairy tales that it's very easy for me to get lost and diverted and just go, oh, I don't know and how much of this really happened and how much is metaphor and how much is the story. And to get distracted from the truly wonderful message at the heart of it. Do you know what I mean? I sort of get frustrated that that's what the world gets and uh, all the time as well. I mean, it is a good thing. And I love the nativities and, you, you know, it's, it's a great joy as a parent to see children in them. But I still think they distract from a, a really powerful, important, hopeful message um, uh, for our time, really, today. Yeah, you see, I would say they don't distract from it at all. I ah. think the whole point is that. You know, you were talking about God. If God is love, then love is vulnerable or opens itself up to vulnerability. Yeah. And what could be more vulnerable than a baby? Yes, I agree with that. But if I were to write the Bible, I mean, if I can just be Matthew. (laughs) If I were to write the Bible. Can I I be Matthew and Luke for a moment? Yes, go on then. And just say, here's what I'd do. I'd say... Do you want to know something about Jesus? Here's the deal. He's a homeless kid born on the street. He's a refugee who flees to Egypt because because the insane king wants to murder babies and is jealous. He comes back. I would tell the story like that, but no, they've got to put in virgin births and stars and kings (laughs) and stuff. And it just starts. (laughs) It's just a little bit triggered. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Maybe we should... We should hold some of this for our No Lessons and Carols uh, discussion slash a Christmas service. Yes, let's do that. In fact, this whole podcast has really been one long trailer for it, hasn't it? <laughs> if this is the trailer, I don't want to see the film. I'll be honest. No, I think the, the issue, come back to what we have been talking about. So the issue of, uh, you know, does God, is, is there a sort of self-limiting? element yeah. of god and i think if if there is love involved then there's always an element of self-limiting isn't there if yeah. you love someone you're always going to limit what you want to do yes because you actually end up wanting the best for them yeah uh and if there's freedom involved there's got to be some kind of self-limiting so i i don't think i don't think it's about god's potentiality that god you know if he, he, he god is is god and he's all powerful all that kind of stuff the creator god but i think it's the choice that he makes out of love 
Yes, I like that. And of course, it reminds me of the law of least love, which is in any relationship, one person loves the other person more than the other. Yes. And that person always is hurt the most, which is probably why in our relationship, you know, I feel hurt a lot of the time because <laughs> I love you so much. I was just going to ask the same question about <laughs> which one of us is more vulnerable. <laughs> I think you're probably right. I think it is you. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, look, we should we should wrap up really. Well, we've, a we've strangely done, rambling episode no, really. It was, but that's not unexpected. But thank you for sticking with it. If you did, well, as ever, <laughs> uh, do let us know what you think uh, about what we've been talking about, or indeed anything else you want to talk about, or questions you want to ask, or critiques. I'm always interested in critiques. That's a lie, actually. I'm not very interested in critiques at all um you know if you don't like it go and do your own podcast that's what i say uh, but do but do send your emails to yeah joe at midfaithcrisis.org but also i would love to hear from you because i mean here we are exploring we are not i am not saying i don't think christmas is a fantastic time to remind ourselves of good news i'm just wanting to drill down what the good news actually is so uh you know, please, please do write in. I really would love to hear. I'm genuinely asking these questions at this time. Um, what's what's great about Christmas for you? What do you what do you sense are the things that sort of get you excited? What gets you passionate about Christmas? Oh, yeah, perhaps, good, would be yeah. another way of saying it. <laughs> Have yourself a very temperate Christmas as well. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you very much for listening. As ever, thank thanks you for all who support the podcast. That's great. And yeah. we'll be back with you next week. 